What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Wednesday, September 24th, 2014. You guys are listening to episode 178, and I am not going to lie to you guys, man. I have a lot of stuff to talk about and um, some important things. Uh, a great classic story for you guys on this one. Got the unacceptables, and um, this one is going to be, I'm putting it out there. I know I say the shows are going to be great. This one, I, I think, is going to be up there with some of the best TVE podcasts ever because, you know, I think that I'm going to be talking about a lot of, this This episode is going to have a lot of deep stuff, a lot of honesty, a lot of uh, advice uh, for young comedians, uh, something that's happened to me, two things that's happened to me, which I think comedians can learn from, and this is just going to be a, uh, you know, an all out, just great episode 178 on the show, uh, also going to be talking about how my cats keep fucking interrupting because they're banging on the door in the next room and it's driving me crazy. No, that wasn't what I was going to say. Uh, also going to be talking about, of course, the unacceptables. I got a nice unacceptable rant uh, to do and then I'm going to read your guys's and we're going to go from there. So I uh, also got into an argument about animals with a friend. I'm going to bring that into the show. Just a full-packed awesome TVE podcast, uh, working it on the new system right now, new computer, new microphone, it may sound a little different, I'm working out the kinks, this is actually going to be all going to uh, the All Things Comedy Network once I figure this out, but anyway, um, you know, trying to get less popping of the microphone, got a different type of mic, and I'm working it out, so again, I'm going to get through all of the you know, this is the first time with the new system, so I'm going to listen to it back and get through it, but I can't mic check 85 fucking times and not do a show. I got to get the show out, so I'm going to get the show out on this system, and we will uh, we'll figure it out. But I listened back. It sounded pretty good. It sounded like less, um, you know, there wasn't the, the pops that were there normally and stuff, so um, I know that I, that was something that I was dealing with before. Anyways, uh, I... First, want to start out by saying that um, I had an insane week last week, okay? I really did. I had an insane week, and it was a packed week of stand-up. Uh, Monday, I was at Stand Up New York. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I was at, I think I was at uh, Levity. Uh, Friday, I did two half-hour sets uh, at the Laugh and Devil in Queens, then I went to New York City, did a spot at the stand. Then Saturday had a private gig, which I'm going to talk about. Uh, did that with Jason Lawhead. And then after that, went down to the city. So it was just uh, unbelievable. But first, as always, guys, I have to start off the podcast, of course, with the sponsor. The Verzi Effect Podcast is sponsored by, brought to you by GonzoFame.com. Please check out GonzoFame.com for the best in-depth interviews with your favorite comedians. Uh, they just take it so much further and better. Very comic-friendly website. Uh, mine was up there a few weeks ago. It's still there, of course. Recently, Joe Matarese's podcast just got up there, and uh, I think they got Chris Lambert's coming up, and they're going to have a couple more. So it's just going to be... They're, they're going to do a couple every month, and just a great great website that I believe in, and that's why we're kind of working together here. So gonzofame.com is, um, is the best. I mean, 
there's no other website out there. I mean, they got Ralphie May, they got uh, Doug Stanhope, they got just a ton of comedians that you know and heard of and love. There's no other website out there that gets that in depth and talks, you know, longer to your favorite comedian. So check that out, GonzoFame.com. Now, uh, as I was saying last week, a lot of a lot of stuff happened. Okay, a lot of uh, shows, and I was just tired and all that. And then um, I had a private gig booked at a country club, okay, that uh, was for basically millionaires, okay? No women whatsoever. This was a party that is an annual thing that these guys do. They honor somebody to win an award. This was the 74th time that they did this. It's a tradition. It's a it's a family thing, a generation thing, all this stuff. So what happens is these, and I, when I say millionaires, I don't mean rich. I mean, these guys are hundreds of millions, even some billionaire type guys that were at this thing. And it was just, you know, me and Lawhead. So every year they have one comedian that they pay very, very nicely to come in and do 20, 30 minutes this year. They, you know, we were, they were talking to me and then we were like, ah, you know, maybe we'll do two comedians. So we got Lawhead to come in and what the day is, and we got the homework on it. We, we did our homework on it. We found out what it was is basically what it is, is these guys go out. I guess it's like 200, 250 guys at one of the most swankiest, nicest, insane country clubs in the, in the country. And they go out and they play golf all day, all morning, whatever. Uh, then the evening comes, these guys go into the locker room, get showered, get dressed up, and then there's like a cocktail hour, like a wedding. And it it, it was like a cocktail hour for a, like a $250,000 wedding. I mean, they had a whole fucking leg of a cow upside down, just that this fucking dude was just cutting, cutting off, like just cutting pieces off. They had, you know, leg of lamb, they had sushi, they had lobster, they had uh, shrimp, they had all of these. They had clams, clams, because it's just obscene. Like, this cocktail hour would have fucking fed small countries in Africa. Okay, and this is not even a wet. This is just guys getting off the golf course, you know, drinking a little bit before they go to dinner. Then when they go to dinner, they walk upstairs on this back patio overlooking the water, you know, open bar, and then there's just steaks and more food, and half lobsters, whole lobsters, like, just the most, uh, picture, like, in a movie, if it was just millionaires and billionaires, like, these, it almost looked like a White House party, that's how insane it was, and I got referred the gig, and then, you know, I get Lawhead the gig, and um, they're like, yeah, and the honoree who's winning the award this year, his name is this, and he's gonna be sitting right there, so you could go at him, and they gave us a little things to do with him, and all that, so, um, Guys, this was one of the most memorable uh, experiences I ever had, and uh, just buckle up for this one, because uh, I'm not making this up. So, me and Lawhead are downstairs, and we're waiting, and like these guys were giving out, like they were just like, you go to the bar, it's open bar, and they had a little humidor, where you just open the humidor, and you take cigars for free. I mean, it was an absolute joke, it was incredible, I, I couldn't believe what I was, you know, seeing and eating. And me and Lawhead are talking, and we're kind of talking about our sets. But the one thing I was saying to him was, yeah, the one thing is we shouldn't step on what each other does. You know, so like, I was going to go with this angle, he's going to go with that angle. But like, you know, there's only so much you could talk about. A bunch of rich pricks uh, who think they're better than everybody, have a ton of money, 
you know, it's a private thing. There's no women here. You know, maybe roast them a little bit, go into some material, but, you know, whatever. So now they're like, all right, you guys are probably going to go on around like 8.30. So it's like 8 o'clock now. We're sitting there. I'm drinking a Diet Coke. We're waiting. And we're just kind of going through stuff in our head. We're saying lines back and forth. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. This and that. And um, fast forward, we talk to the president. We get our checks and we go up up the stairs on this back patio and you just see all of these suits all of these suits like 250 fucking just multi multi millionaire like you knew they were like 95% Republican not one black member there like two Jewish members this was all just white Catholic money I mean this was wealth this was generations of money this was like nuts okay so we're waiting and Lawhead's going to go up and do like 10 and then I'm going to go up and do like 20 and we're out. We got our money and that's it. That's what, that's what's going to happen with this thing. So president goes up or some, you know, some, somebody goes up there, you know, and just introduces, says something, does a quick announcement and introduces Lawhead. Okay. And Lawhead goes on stage and he just starts talking about like the diversity there and like joking with them and he gets them right off the bat. He gets them and he starts doing it and they like him after like two minutes. So then one of his jokes was really clever and smart. He gets a clap break and now they're in. Now he's doing this. He's doing that. One kid walked across and he's like, why are you walking? Like a waiter. He's like, why are you walking across? He goes, you get fired for shit like that. He goes, dude, there's 84 acres of fucking land here and you're walking in front of the stage and he's just like, and he's just in a zone and he's crushing Okay, and he's just like, he's he's getting clap breaks, and I'm just standing back there, I'm standing back there, and he was, you know, he's doing well, he had him, and then he's like, I'll tell you guys a joke joke and get out of here. So he tells a joke joke, and it does great, they clap for it, and the guy goes, one more, and they keep asking this guy for jokes. Now granted, this venue has only had one comedian for years, they never did this system before where there's going to be two. So, you know... <laughs> I'm listening to some stuff and, and everything, and uh, Lawhead gets off stage, and he, you know, he, he's like, thank you so much, and he brings me up really nice, and I grab the microphone, great sound system, wireless microphone, and all of these fucking rich dudes are just sitting in their chairs, blazers on, ties on, steaks, anything they want in front of them, drinks, and I'm just sitting, and they've got their arms crossed, and they're just sitting there looking at me, and I grab the microphone, and I remember saying, um, keep it going for Jason Lawhead. I said, I said, keep it going for Jason Lawhead. And I said, uh, it's amazing Jason. I remember my opening line. I go, it's amazing Jason is here because if you guys saw his checking account balance, he wouldn't be allowed on the premises. And like that was like that got like barely anything. And we were laughing about it, you know. And then I'm already knowing that this is going to be a struggle, you know. And then I said something about the there were no black there were no black members. So I go, I'd first love to address all the black members here. And then uh, I just said something and I just knew these guys were like, what the fuck is another guy coming up here for? And they love Jason and Jason did his job. He fucking killed. And now I'm standing there and I know two minutes into this fucking gig that they're, they're, uh, this is going to be a struggle and a fight. And I got, I got to be up there for 20, right? And... Uh, so I'm talking, and then I start going 
into the crowd a little bit because they told me about the honoree or the guy who won. They told me about his wife. They tell me about how all these guys got trophy wives who were like just fucking tens that, you know, they spend money on their, you know, on their, you know, plastic surgery for their wives. So I go, once I start realizing that some of my jokes went there, you know, I mentioned like Donald Sterling running the place. I said the only thing dark in this place are the divots. I start saying shit and normally at stuff like that, it would work. And it's not. So then I go, you know, keep it going for the honoree and, uh, you know, the guy's name. And I say the guy's name and then I was like, you know, this guy had a really rough life. It took him to like 18 years old to get his hands on his father's money or something. And that gets starts to get a laugh. And then I went in really big to try to set it up and go, look, I'm here to fucking, I came to play. And I go, yeah, this guy's got his hands on a lot of money. And you, you got to understand, this is a picture picture 250 of the richest people in the country in suits that are like fucking Republican and very fucking conservative and think they're better than you with their arms crossed staring at you to make them laugh. And I said to their honoree, I go, yeah, this guy's got his hands on a lot of paper and plastic. And by plastic, I either said, I don't mean credit cards or I said, and by plastic, I mean his wife, Lindsay's tits, right? And the whole place goes, oh, like, whoa, whoa, you know? And Guys, I'm not going to lie. I will not lie to my podcast listeners here. I bombed harder than I ever did in my career. Okay? I mean, I fucking bombed. Don't get me wrong. Some jokes hit. I talked about my dad. I did a sports joke. But then, as I wanted to touch on things, I was remembering that Law had touched on them. Then what I did was when I knew what certain bits that I went in wouldn't work, I bailed out of them and started going to the crowd. And I'd be like, just saying, dude, I I was bombing at one point. I was bombing so bad that I, I started asking questions that didn't make sense. But like the thing was, this was a really crazy thing because I'm like, all right, let me fish some stuff out. So, so then I started, so then I, like I was maneuvering, my brain was going to different places. I was like a fish just fucking, just swimming, swimming, just trying to get like around things and trying to, till eventually breaking through to a clear path, you know? And I remember going, all right, you know what? I'm going to talk about the Ray Rice thing and, and his, you know, his wife and the video and all that stuff. And then I'll go to the Adrian Peterson thing and I'll try to find, and like, I was just going in there to see if they would go and they weren't going. So then after they didn't go, I was like, let me ask a question. I literally just pointed to a guy when that like fell flat and I really didn't even know why I was bringing it up. I literally pointed to a guy and I go, do you hit your kids, sir? And he kind of just crazily looked like, looked at me like, no. And he shook his head and I'm fucking dying up there. Okay. These guys just saw Lawhead fucking kill and do it. And he earned their respect. And it was like, that's what you do with this thing. Now another comedian's up there fucking dying, doing longer. Okay, and I'm fucking, and I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to get it, man. I'm trying, and then, then the ultimate happens, everybody. Okay, right when I'm thinking, all right, I'm gonna get a couple laughs, just get out of here, and you know, then I start making fun. After like 15 minutes, I start making fun of Chris Christie. And that's the other thing, though. Any question that I asked, and they did say go out to the crowd. Any question that I asked the crowd, they didn't do it. They didn't. They didn't come. Like normal. Like I was like, yeah, hey, which one of you guys is the guy that kicks the ball out of the woods and doesn't count it on the scorecard? Where's that fucking cheater guy at? Or where's that guy that lies about the score and nothing? And normally, you know, gigs like this, they'd be like, oh, right there, Jerry. Jerry's the guy. And then I'd go with Jerry and have a good time. Nothing. 
nothing. These fuckers hated me. So, you know, then I'm just asking questions. You guys, do you guys like Obama? Because I know that they don't. You know, I just start, and then I fucking did it. I go, I go, yeah, I want Chris Christie to be the next president, right? And I go, yeah, not because of his politics. I go, just watching that fat fucking mess from New Jersey waddle to a podium on a daily basis, and I just start talking about him, and everyone's head goes down. Lawhead tells me he was all the way in the back by the tent getting food, and a guy leaned over to him and goes, yeah, I just made a fundraiser for him last week, and uh, just threw a fundraiser for him last week in South Carolina, $3,000 a plate. Then another guy said something, and I go, why, you know Chris Christie? He goes, yeah, I work for him. Then I look at the honoree who was winning this award and he just has his head down and now they fucking hate me. I'm shitting on a guy that they want to be the president and I'm calling him a fat fuck from New Jersey. To the point where the president just leaned back behind the screen and goes, all right, Paul, two minutes, two minutes. And I'm like, yeah. And then like, I just couldn't get him back. And one guy was like, all right, like wanted me to go. And I'm like, no, no. And he was like, yeah. (laughs) And dude, one guy started heckling me. It was... And then I got to tell you, you know, it's been years since something like this had happened to me. And there was a part of me when I was up there, I actually was thinking about Patrice O'Neill, rest his soul, because somebody told me that Patrice O'Neill once said, when you're bombing and it's going bad, just fucking really bomb, like just point the nose of the plane down and really bomb. And I tried getting them. And again, I think my first five minutes being somewhat decent when I talked about my dad and some sports stuff. I did this joke about how I miss bad neighborhoods and I I did stuff about, you know, like certain things. I tried to maneuver that I think they would like. So like I got a little bit, but then it just tapered and I had nowhere to go. And then that's when things went really bad. But um, it was almost refreshing and cleansing. And I tried to... You know, and I was trying to think about it. And, you know, today I was thinking about it, actually. And I was like, you know what it was like? It was like a boxer who's like supposed to win or go in there with a great record, you know, 40 and one or or undefeated. And you just go in there and then you you just you just don't have the plan that you was right. And you just get you just kind of get blindsided a little bit or, you know, thinking about it. But truly one of the worst um yeah, truly just one of the worst gigs that, you know, you know, I don't know what I could have done. I was trying to think about what I could have done with this. And I don't know, you know, I just, you know, I got off stage. I walked out. I had to check. I fucking went right to the parking lot, got to my car, texted Lawhead. I go, dude, I'm at the car. Wow. And I just, and he just met me. And, you know, we, and, and I said, you know, it was one of those things where it almost made me feel like, I don't know. There was something, as crazy as it is to say, there was something refreshing about it. Um, and for weeks, I mean, for the week, I was trying to think of what I could have done. Could I have done something? You know, um, me and Lawhead were talking. It was like, you, that's just a one comic show. You go up there, you address it, you get laughs, you get out. The fact that I went up. But then I'm like, no, maybe I wasn't prepared. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's on me. Maybe I just wasn't prepared where I thought, because I did hear that other people that did the gig kind of just riffed and talked to the crowd and people that tried to do regular jokes didn't do well. So I kind of had this plan that I was going to talk to the crowd, get them, and then maybe throw jokes in and out, you know, and that's what Lawhead did. 
And I just, if for some reason they didn't, they didn't interact with me when I asked a question, they, you know, it just was weird. I got this vibe, like right when I got on stage that, 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 that something was off. And, um, I guess at the end of the day, I could break it down and try to figure out why, but you know, uh, at, that's what happened. You know, it was, it was, a insanely, um, refreshing bomb. It was just like, wow, man, you know? This isn't your element. You were. I was just trying to find something, maneuvering, dancing around, dancing around, and I mean, until I, then, I ultimately insulted them by fucking shitting on their hero, which is never. I mean, it's never good to be not doing well, and then all of a sudden, just tell call the guy that they all are raising millions of dollars for to be the next president. That that he's a fat fuck from Jersey and you know that I can't trust him. I'm literally going, no, no, because you know, if you can't fix your late night snacking, what are you going to do with a budget? Like I'm trying to fight. I'm trying to argue with these fucking guys. I'm like, if you don't have the discipline to not go to the refrigerator at two in the morning and get that pizza, that bridge is never getting built. And like, and they're just like, no, like, oh man, it was brutal. Absolutely brutal. And, um, you know, I'm not putting it on them. I'm not putting it on anything else. I'm just going to say, you know, yeah, it's a bad gig. Maybe I should have sat down because I've always said the phrase, you know, failure to prepare is preparing to fail. So maybe I should have had the go into the crowd stuff, but then I should have had the backup jokes that I known would have worked for that. And I just put it on me. So, uh, you know, it wasn't my best day. I, I think putting it on me helps me deal with it more instead of trying to find, because that's what we were doing a couple for a couple of days, trying to figure out. And it's like, no, man, it's on me. You know, I'm the professional. I got paid a lot of money. I should have had a backup plan, uh, you know, plan B, plan C or whatever. And I didn't. I went out there with a plan that I thought was going to work. And you just can't do that. You can't go out there and think that you're good enough to just start talking to tight ass people, get them to interact and then go into jokes and, and, and not really have a set list planned. It's not that I didn't have a set list plan, but like it was just an all over the place type of thing. So and the crazy thing about this week was I had such a good week. I headlined Levity Wednesday night. People came out to see me. I did almost an hour. It was great. Did new shit. Everything was amazing. The shows that I did in the city were amazing. And then the last one of the night, the last one of the week was this private, which I just told you how it went. And then we left and we were in the car and I was going to go home because I was so tired. And I told Lawhead, I go, fuck it, I'm going to the city. I got to get up right now. And I went down to the stand and Giannis was on, and I asked the manager on the floor, I said, is he the last one? And they go, no, Kurt Metzger. And then they announced Kurt going last. And then I was like, is Kurt last? I'm like, yeah, do you want to go on after him? And I was literally like, man, are they tired? Like, I don't even know why. And then somebody just looked at me and goes, dude, not if you're funny. And I go, yeah, what the fuck is wrong? And I go, yeah, I'll go. So at like one something in the morning, I went on in front of a tired crowd, and I fucking crushed. And I was like, and it just kind of, you know, brought me back a little bit, but... Um, a, a cool story that I want to say is that when I first got to the stand after that horrible show, I was just standing there leaning against the wall, you know, waiting to go on, kind of chopping at the bit and, 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 you know, just going through everything that I was going through mentally after a situation like that. And some dude just bumped into me and goes, Hey man, you Paul Verzi? And I was like, yeah, like, Oh my God, big fan, man. Love the podcast. So it was just like a TVE fucking Verzi effect. They're just like kind of you know, getting at me. And then somebody else was like, yeah, man, I'm a fan. And I was just like, I need the microphone right now. And I know what people are saying, you know, don't sweat it. It's just a bunch of rich guys. And they, they already saw comedy. I know all those things. But at the end of the day, what bothers me is I'm such a fucking 
competitive, prideful perfectionist with, with my craft and what I love that I should have had every fucking bullet in the chamber instead of going out there thinking that my one way or my one and a half or two ways was going to work when you got to be really prepared. So, um, yeah, man, got my, got a fuck, ate a dick. I mean, I ate a dick sandwich on a fucking, you know, with sauce in front of people just fucking eating my dick. Um, but hell, Lloyd had had a good night and uh, we got paid. So (laughs) that was that, but I was glad to go back on to, uh, you know, I was glad to go back down to the city that night and just get on stage again, you know, and you talk to, you know, I was able to talk to some great comedians about it. I talked to Ted Alexandro about it. Uh, Burr was laughing about it. When I told Burr that I just started shitting on Chris Christie in front of people raising money for him, he just started laughing. Um, only fucking me. Do you realize that if they, like, if there was like a Hollywood scene and they go like offend these people, but like without it being obvious, like it, I could, it couldn't have been worse. Like it, it was, it was almost like, yeah, it would have been like doing like a domestic violence show and like them saying, don't bring up anything like that. They don't want to be reminded of it. And then me just like talking about Chris Brown and like Ray Rice and then it just didn't like all I needed to do at this place was probably shit on Barack Obama and, and just fucking talk about like, you know, you know, shit that these guys would be into. And instead I'm going, you know, I mean, I get the end of the day, I guess you could say I stick, I stuck to my guns, but I, it was fucking brutal, man. You know? And I remember going, well, you know, there's a great story for the podcast. Cause this is fucking, this is nuts. Lawhead said he was just back there and he was watching. And like when the guy said the thing about Chris Christie and everything, it was just like, Oh my God. So, uh, yeah, that, that's how, that's the business of comedy. You're on, that's my eighth time, eighth show that week. All the other shows were great shows and great comedy clubs. And then I go up there getting paid a ton of money and I just fucking ate, ate it, you know, especially towards the end of the set, ate it, you know, um, it wasn't crickets the entire time, but it was fucked up. And then uh, I was able to kind of get the redemption down in the city afterwards. So uh, for anybody out there going, well, well, you know, you know, guys have been doing it longer or experienced guys or guys, you know, whatever. Just understand, man, when you go out there and you have something to do, listen, and, and listen, there's going to be times where you can be as prepared as you want to be and have this happen. Because I was like one or two guys away from like them interacting with me and laughing like, all they needed to do was interact a little bit. And I was told, yeah, break some balls, go out in the crowd, roast some people a little bit, then go and do jokes. They wanted nothing. And then that's what was making me fucking dig and dig and dig. So that's that story. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed my pain with uh, with that for, for a little bit. Um, but yeah, that was one of my epic bombs of my career, for sure. And, um, it just, and I fucking looked at Lawhead and I go, watch what happens now. Cause I'm fucking now I'm like, that just made me, you know, like I said, I think the best way to look at it is like, you know, you're a boxer doing well and you're knocking people out and you're doing well and you know, you're sticking and moving. And then all of a sudden, dude, out of nowhere, you didn't plan for this guy to have a fucking, you know, body shots the way he does. And then you just are fucking in trouble. So, uh, yeah, not going to happen again. And, um, you know, 
eh, what, what are you going to do? That's comedy, man. That's comedy. That You know, that's the only thing. Like, there's no... There's no... But I can promise you this. I bet you that club next year is only going to have one comic. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, that's that. And uh, moving on now, guys. I wanted to talk about another thing that happened uh, that happened this week. And again, this is something serious. I know, like, not all the shit is always that funny, but... Um, you know, I like to be real here and give you guys some good shit. Don't worry, we're gonna get to the, we're gonna get to some stuff here. But I, I just like I said, this is a podcast where you guys are gonna hopefully walk away from it and learn something or go, wow, that was fucking really cool. And if not, fuck you. You know what I mean? What are you gonna do? Um. So this week, uh, so last comic standing is coming. Okay, last comic standing is coming back, and they're looking at people early. And this year, what they're doing, just to give you guys who don't know how it works, and you just turn on TV and see how last comic standing works. Um, and I know the comedians listening to this know this, but um, you don't. So, what what happens this year is last comic standing is audition people in like five or six cities this week and next week. And what they're doing is out of like four hundred auditions. They're going to narrow it down to 100 and then send those 100 to California, and those are going to be the 100 who compete on the show. Uh, This last comic standing is not open call for any comedian. This is invite only. And uh, I was invited, and uh, very nice, you know, my manager contacted me and spoke to a producer, and I was invited to do the, the thing. And a lot of comedians, a lot of my peers are running around the city tonight as we speak, uh, running around doing their uh, their three and a half minute audition in front of a regular live show, and then it's just being taped, and then they're gonna look at the tapes. And uh, so I was supposed to do it on um, Tuesday night, and I I respectfully declined. And uh, it was something where you know I mean I don't want to really talk too much about what I what me and my manager talk about or go through or everything, but. You know, it was something where people were like, oh, you know, just go and, and, and maybe see and, and everything. And I was just like, no, you know, I, I was torn with it. I was talking about it with my wife. I was talking about it with some people and I just declined it. I just was like, I'm not doing it. I, I, I talked to some comedians that I love and respect and, and that I know love me and respect me. And we talked and I just at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, um, I don't want to be on a reality show for stand-up, you know, I don't think, and let me say this right now, okay, I just want to say this one time, and I'm going to continue, I do not think that I'm better than the show, I do not think that I'm better than the comedians on the show, um, I just feel that where I'm at right now, what I'm doing on the road, what I'm doing with, with my podcast, and all the things that I'm doing for me that I can control, is where I want to be, and it's what I want to do, you know, um, I can control this, You know, I can control what I do on stage in my career. And, you know, I just don't want a judge or a producer to dictate my future. I'm going to dictate my future. You know, I know, oh, if you win, you win a quarter of a million, you know, what is it, whatever it is, a quarter of a million dollars and NBC is going to talk to you about a show. And that's great. And this is nothing against NBC, but I'm going to make, I'm going to make a quarter of a million dollars doing what I love to do. I'm going to get there. You know what I mean? I'm going to create shows. And, you know, I just don't want, and listen, maybe I'll be in a different place in a few years where I go, oh, you know what, that show has changed. A lot of people are saying it's changed and it's more comedian friendly. It's just not something I'm interested in doing. 
You know, I don't ever want to go out on stage and have, and this is no offense to Roseanne Barr, you know, she's a, she's a great comic, but I just can't go out there, tell a joke that I believe in and have her go, you know, I just don't think it was original. And I'm fucking standing there and shit. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing that. You know, my, my instincts and gut, you know, tell me that, you know, I'm, I'm just, it's just not something that I'm interested in doing. And a lot of comedians are disagreeing with me. Um, I think the better ones aren't, (laughs) to be honest, but I think that, uh, there are some comedians that are great comedians that do disagree with me and think, no, man, go out there, just do it and see what happens. But I just don't want, you know, that I don't want to be on a reality show. I don't want a reality show to dictate what I'm doing. So, you know, if you're a comic and you like the show and you like me Um, I'm not trying to tell you to not do it. That would be crazy. You know, I would do, I did it. I did audition years ago when it was just like you go out in front of the three judges. And I do love the fact that now, the funny thing is now this is probably the most time where I would actually want to do it because I wish I, I wish they did this back then when I did it. Because the fact that you could just go into a packed club and do three and a half minutes is awesome. And I think that it's a great, you know, it's way better than just look them looking at you and kind of like on TV being the judging process. You know, that that's terrible. Like when nobody in the room and they go, yeah, I don't think you're ready. You know, I, you know, so it's definitely better. And I think a lot of comedians should do it. I, I'm not saying that I would never, oh, I probably am saying I would never do it in the, I mean, maybe if I was like much older and I thought whatever, but I'm just being honest here, man. Like this is a, this has been something that's been going on this week. There were people, uh, I'm not going to mention names, there were people that were not happy with me that I decided to, you know, respectfully decline this audition. But I did. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm betting on myself. I'm not betting on somebody else or, you know, I'm betting on myself. I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to become the best fucking comedian I can. And I'm, you know, going to do everything I can to get great. I'm going to do everything to build my following and have people come and see me build my podcast and do all that. And hopefully that's going to be enough. I don't want to be the guy on Last Comic Standing, you know, um, that, you know, was fucking, you know. And and even if you go far, that's great and everything, but I just don't want to, you know. Well, look at the risk. I mean, look what they did to Joe Matarese on America's Got Talent. He got a standing ovation. He comes out. His kids come out. Everyone, Howard Stern's clapping. They're all standing up for him. And Howard Stern's going, oh, we're going to see a lot of you. And then they just realized that they wanted to cast the other comedian. And then the next week, they like lied about the editing. I mean, that's ridiculous. They can do that. I talked to some comedians about Last Comic Standing last year, and they said like they did good. And they saw that the judges were reading the response because they already knew who they picked. I'm not doing that. So, um, you know, my advice to young comedians is if you want to do this, go out there and do it, but just know too that like, if you get fucked with the editing, it's not you don't get down if it doesn't work, you know, and don't get too high if it works, just fucking be funny and do the, you know, do that shit that you could do and, and just worry about what you can control. But, um, you know, I'm not, I am not about reality shows and I'm not about contests. I love what Dave Grohl said about contests and what he said about the American Idol. They were a garage band and they worked their ass off and people started hearing them and shit worked out. They're not going to sit there and put their fucking fake... You put your put put everything in somebody else's hands? 
you know, somebody else's, you know, and plus I'm a storytelling comedian. That's another reason too, guys. Like I'm a storytelling comedian. I'm not that quick. I like to tell stories. I like to bring people in and talk to them instead. I just have some, you know, fucking quick lines all the time. And, and I do have those, but, and I heard, to, I heard, I even heard that my, the audition thing that my, that I would have been on was great and I would have done great. That's fine. Not for me. Thanks, but no thanks. Good luck to everybody who did it. I'm not doing it. So, uh, I guess that was a long version of me telling you, you're not going to be seeing me on last comic standing, uh, this, <laughs> this year, but that's how I feel, man. And, and if anybody else agrees with me, don't feel bad about it. Like if you went through that and you're like, yeah, I just don't feel like, you know, yeah, you, you don't feel bad about wanting to have your, your destiny in your fucking hands. You know, there's, there's no reason why. Go get it the way you should get it. Go get it the hard way. I'm not saying last comic standing is easy by any stretch, but last comic standing is not 100% in your hands. You know, last comic standing is, you know, you got a lot of things need to happen. And um, I'm just I'm just not going to bring myself to go up there and have Russell Peters say something about my material. And that's not a knock on Russell Peters. I'm just saying I can't, I'm not doing that. I, I'm working too hard. Yeah, the way, the way, I mean, I just don't know if people think it's believable. And then I'm such a, I'm such a fucking prideful guy. And I'll be like, no, no, that actually really happened though. That actually really happened. And I up here made it funny. So now what are you going to say? They don't care. They're like, cut next. That's it. Not doing it. So, um, that's how I feel. And there's people going like, no, what are you doing? You got to do it. You got to do it, dude. In today's game, you got to do it. No, I don't. No, I don't have to do it. Maybe you have to do it, but I'm not doing it. Let me tell you something. When the network NBC invites comedians to do something, something tells me the advantage isn't for the comedian. Think about what I just said. Okay? This is NBC, one of the most powerful networks in the world. Going, yeah, no, 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 come in, come in. Yeah, we heard about you. Yeah, come in, come in. No, it doesn't work that way. Okay? This is NBC saying, yeah, guys, come on. We got some good comedians, and now we're going to fucking dice this up the way we want to and make a show. That's what it is. So, that's where I stand with that. Um, wow, getting real, huh? We're getting real on the show. Those were two... Um, like, if I ever look back at this podcast, I can be like, when was the two realest, most honest things you said and then I think I could be like yeah one of the worst bombings of my career and then I followed it up with why I won't audition for a TV show and how I'm believing in myself and what I'm doing and uh yeah you lucky pigs like I always say you lucky pig wow we're 30 what are we 38 minutes into this thing whatever this is all right so oh no 40 something minutes in okay so we'll get to the unacceptables um, but first I got to talk about this argument I had. I got into an argument today with Bill Burr about how you'd rather die. I know some of you are already laughing, but <laughs> we were talking about how you would rather die. And I said, all right, dude, here's one for you. Would you rather die by a snake or a shark? And he said snake. And I totally disagree. Now, this isn't a, I'm not trying to get involved or have you guys take sides with me and Bill's decision. I'm just trying to talk about the actual thing. Now, first of all, the idea of getting, wait, no, he said, yeah, he said snake and I said shark. Now, 
there's nothing fucking worse or more horrifying to me. And then we broke it down to like, can the, can the snake swallow you? And I said, yes. There's nothing more horrifying in this fucking world, period. End of story. Nothing more than a snake crushing you to death and then you knowing while you're getting crushed that your remains are going to be digested in this fucking serpent's belly. There is nothing worse than that. Okay, that is, if you said to me, what's the last, I mean, that is the most horrifying because here's the thing. And Bill was saying like, oh, with the shark, you're drowning and you kind of know what's happening. You're panicking. No. They said, I think you I think you go in shock. I think when a shark bites you and you start bleeding like that, I think you go in shock. I think things just go black. I think you just see some fucking drips of water. And then there's violent fucking pushing and shoving and all that shit. Meanwhile, you're getting fucking snapped in half. But I just feel like it would be a quicker. Think about this. A snake is so strong. The snakes, that can swallow you, okay? You're talking 30 feet, 40 feet anacondas that just wrap their fucking bodies around your shoulders and crush your bones, and you can only inhale and you can't exhale until you die. And here's the worst part. And Bill was like, ah, you're thinking too much about after you're dead. Yeah, I am, because you know what sucks about it? When an anaconda swallows you, it takes like 45 fucking minutes. So by the time it's like 15 minutes in, it's only at my shoulders. Okay, by the time it's a half hour in, you still see like my knees fucking down to my Nikes hanging out of this thing's fucking I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be digesting in a fucking, in a thing with my, you know, Air Jordans hanging out of this thing's mouth, you know, and, and for for an hour and people walking by going, holy shit, dude, look at that guy's kicks, that guy's getting swallowed right now, I'm not doing it, you know, you're in the water, whatever, you're already kind of like half naked or you're in the water, so it's just kind of like, yeah, you, you fall, you go and that's it, you know, whatever, fine, don't get me wrong, it, it, the alternative, I mean, that being in a shark's stomach is not a great alternative, I mean, it's a shitty situation for everybody, I mean, you know, it's horrifying for your family to hear that. You, you, there's blood in the water. There, people get horrified. I get that, okay? But at least, like, you don't see it anymore, you know? You're going to see some outline of my Yankee cap and my Nikes sitting in this thing's stomach for fucking three hours. Just no no way, dude. I'm not. There's no... That's the worst. That's where I draw the line. Snakes, man. Snakes are Snakes are the scariest thing to me. Because... Something that can do that, something that is that fast with no arms and no legs, something that is that powerful with no arms or no legs. You ever think about that? You ever think about when they coil themselves around, that's stronger than the strongest man could ever be? Think about that. The strongest man in the world, the strongest arms from a man. When an anaconda's 30-foot body wraps around, no, nothing could be stronger than that. And then it just crushes and suffocates you and then swallows you? And then just like slithers off slowly like oh, another day at the office. No way. Fuck that. I'm taking the water. I'm taking the shark. Okay. Plus, it's the story to your family. As horrible as it is, it's like, man, yeah, he was surfing in, uh, you know, he was surfing in Australia, dude. The shark just bit his leg. He bled to death. The shark ate him, dude. He just drowned and that was it. Nobody saw him again. That's horrible. It's awful. But to just go home. And talk to your family and be like, oh, what happened? So, yeah, man, he got swallowed whole by this anaconda and the outline of his body was sitting in this thing for two days. 
It was kind of horrifying. His Nikes were hanging out of this thing's mouth for about 45 minutes while this thing was slowly swallowing him up. No, dude. No way. No way. You know? I know it sounds crazy, but like even the shark just swimming through the ocean, like miles of ocean after you're gone, it's kind of like cool, you know? This thing is just sitting in a swamp with its head up knowing that it just fucked. I'm not, dude. Nope. It's the worst. I mean, there's nothing, there's, there's an ultimate nightmare. There's nothing worse than it. I just, I can't see the argument. I can't see the argument that Bill had. I can't see the argument that anybody that, that agrees with Bill had in this thing. You know? Because I don't look at it like, I don't look at like a death to me is not just, oh, once I'm dead, I don't care what they do with the body. No, you, yeah, you do. You gotta. You know, somebody kills you and like fucking hangs you from a street light and people see, I mean, that's fucking awful. You know what I mean? Like, that's, just, I don't know. That's just, look, didn't Elvis shit his pants or something and people were talking about how he had shit everywhere or something? I don't know. That's awful. You don't want that. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's still... My dad told me a really funny story that he was on an airplane once and the turbulence was so bad that there was a guy on the bowl shitting in the toy, in the, in the airplane. And the turbulence... <laughs> the, tur- <laughs> the, t- the turbulence made the guy from his ass... <laughs> He just flew up to the top of the airplane and he got knocked out right while he's shit and there was shit everywhere and they had to like eventually <laughs> he, he had to eventually wake up and they had to like tell him what happened, you know, like he had to, you know, so like these people are trying to wake this guy up and get him dressed and his shit is everywhere. He had no idea. Could you imagine how brutal that is that one minute? You're just fuck, you know, you're reading like Cigar Aficionado. <laughs> you're reading Cigar Aficionado or like Bass Fishing Magazine. You're on the shitter in an airplane. You're psyched. You're going to some vacation spot. You know, you're going to fucking Jamaica or someplace. And next thing you know, this thing, you just wake up and your fucking pants are down. <laughs> And then, you know, like, you're the dude on the plane who, like, got hit in the head and got knocked out with shit everywhere. So, like, everyone knows it. Man, that's fucking awful. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is I would rather be gone and people kind of, you know, use their imagination of what happened than just, yeah, this fucking gigantic fucking serpent swallowed them all. Like, that's like a fucking horror movie. Uh, Oh, my God, I got tears in my eyes (laughs) right now. All right, guys, let's get into the unacceptables. Uh, For you people that just wanted the funny and not the real up top, I hope that the story of, uh, well, I'm sure the story of me bombing was really entertaining, but I hope you the, the, the last comic standing thing, I didn't know if I was going to talk about it, and I was like, maybe I shouldn't, but then I'm like, you know what, that's everything my podcast is, is real, I know there's a lot of people that either watch that show or want to know how it works, who aren't comedians, and then you have the people that are comedians that would probably want to hear, you know, my logic, or why, oh, why, why don't I see that comic on there, or how come that comic doesn't do it, so that's what I did that for, so, whatever, uh, but uh, that snake and shark thing, man, that's a great argument with your friends. Let me know what you guys think too. Tweet it or whatever and uh, and we'll talk about it. Uh, okay. 
My unacceptable for the week, guys. I can't believe it. It's the most unacceptable thing that's on TV. But there's a show, and I couldn't even give it a minute to watch, but the name of it, and I'm not making it up. You could look at it. It's called either Fat Guys in the Woods. I think it's called that. I think it's called Fat Guys in the Woods. And it's the most ridiculous. It literally is the most ridiculous. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to look at it right here, and I'm going to give you guys the name of this because this is literally the most unbelievably unacceptable yes the name of this show okay it's on the weather channel and the name of this show is called fat guys in the woods and it's literally three fat guys standing like the poster is like three fat guys standing with like hoodies and hats and they're just standing like with trees in the forest everywhere and that show is out Okay, that's where TV has gotten today, everybody. Do you understand that, that that's where TV has gotten today? Okay, we are so, there were shows out there, okay, Cheers, okay, I'll even go newer, Seinfeld, Everyone Loves Raymond, you know what, when you first watch it, you're like, this is corny, watch it a couple times, great sitcom, okay, I'll even say, I'll give you Who's the Boss was a good one, okay, when I was a little kid, I watched Mr. Belvedere, fuck it, I watched Golden Girls, Okay, because they were hilarious, there was funny stuff and good writing. As hokey and weird as it is, it was television that was scripted and funny and and creative people put it together. Okay, that's what TV is and was. The Honeymooners with Jackie Gleason, it's great. It's simple, there was four characters and an awful fucking studio setup. And it was great, it worked, it was awesome. Okay, now, fine, naked dating, fine, I get it, people are interested in that. Fat guys in the fucking woods? I Are you you going to just take three monstrosities, put winter coats on them and tell them to walk around and cameras are going to be following these assholes and it's going to be on TV? You know how many shows I've pitched? Well, actually, like, I can't say that I've, I've pitched that many shows to a network where like that was like insanely. But listen, put it this way. I was in a I was in a television network in New York City not long ago, and the idea I had, or I should say we had, because there were four comedians involved in this project, the idea we had was way better than fat guys in the woods. Do you understand that finding Bigfoot and fat guys in the woods is the same shit, except what they're looking? You could, I mean, think about this for a second. Fat guys in the woods, when they wake up for a shoot, okay, when these fucking when these giants wake up in the morning, okay, and they put their shit on and the cameras go, oh, go, yeah, we're going to shoot today. They put their shit on and go in the woods and the, and they could fucking write the episode there. All right, today we're going to see if, uh, it's just, it's, it's criminal what is on television now. Naked and afraid in the woods or whatever, naked and afraid, naked dancing. There's another show out there called Two Fat Cops. And you want to know what it is? It's two fat fucking cops. It's two fat cops just walking around. They just fucking paired two fat souls up. I mean, it's fucking crazy. You know? Listen, I'd rather see two crackheads in the woods. At least these guys are going to be fucking like eventually trying to kill each other for food or something. Or like they're used to stealing from each other. Something like that. Make it entertaining. Okay? You know, I'd rather see that. You know? Two schizophrenics in the woods. One guy starts thinking he's a fucking bear. I want, I'll watch that. You know what I mean? I'll do that. I'm not going to... Three fat guys just walking around the woods? Just... And stepping on twigs? 
I mean, it's cra- it's 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 the most ridiculous, unacceptable thing that's on TV. And you know something? It gets ratings because that's how dumb we are. That's how dumb people are that they're gonna put that on. Hey, honey, you coming up? Says no, no. Fat guys in the woods are coming on. I I, I missed this one. I gotta watch these guys walk around. I gotta watch these fat assholes walk around eating donuts while it's drizzling in a forest somewhere. These guys, it's it's and these guys are getting a paycheck. You understand? These guys are getting probably five grand first season. First season, an episode. What is it? Twenty episodes, five thousand dollars. Fat guys in the woods, and it's disrespectful to them. These fuck guys don't even have their names on the thing. Fat guys in the woods. You know, it's just, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, because it makes me think, what's next? What's next? You know, farting in cars. It's just dudes running around just farting, laughing. That, that would probably get... The, probably, the sad thing is, if there was a show called Farting in Cars, and, like, it was just dudes with, like, their windows up, just, like... <laughs> dudes just with their windows up, flying down the street, like, farting, and, like, they were like, oh, that was a good one, and everything like that. Like, I bet you... I bet you that that would get more ratings than like 50% of the shows. That That's how sad things are. Farting in cars would get more ratings than than some shows that like actually have some legit storyline on them just because people are that dumb and want to watch it. I told you, I turned down, you know, an opportunity. There was an opportunity that, you know, it wasn't set in stone and it definitely wasn't done. But I was working with a television network and they were interested in me and, and um, you know, some comedians uh, and, you know, cameras came to my house to shoot a pilot and they shot me and my family. And I was just like, no, I'm not doing this. And, and I'm glad that I didn't, and I would never, ever want to do that. But, you know, fat guys in the woods makes me feel like, I mean, do these, do you need an agent anymore? Do you need a, do you need a manager anymore? Assholes jerking off channel 12. It's, it's 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 just getting to the point where it's so ridiculous. There was a comedian who was a Keith Anthony. He goes, yeah, they're just gonna make a show, Man in Chair, and like he goes, oh, this week he's changing, you know, he's changing remotes with his hands or something, and it seemed like ridiculous and fun. And now I'm actually like, oh my god, that that's really what's happening. Keith Anthony's funny dude, by the way. Check him out. But like that, think about that. Two fat cops. And fat guys in the woods. Fat is the new fuck. I mean, it's like, you know, what's this episode? How many donuts can Jerry eat before Tony freaks out on him? And it's just like, it's, it's just so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. I want to go to a fuck. I want to go to. The, I want to go to the. I swear to God, I'd love to go to the Weather Channel. I don't care if I burned a bridge. I want to go to the Weather Channel and sit down and be like, look, I got to ask you guys a question. I mean, what can I do? If, if if you guys are putting on the air fat guys in the woods, like, can I can I just fucking pitch something at you? I mean, I'll be like, to be honest, you guys should let me just throw like 12 things down a list right now and let's just pick one and start fucking airing this thing because it's going to be better than fat guys in the woods. I promise you it's going to be better than fat guys in the woods. You let me, I can brainstorm right here. I on a fly. Okay, on a fucking fly, on a whim right now in this meeting, right now, while I'm talking to the executives, I can come up with something better than fat guys in the woods. You know, 
Like you could come up with a gambling, something like that. You know, here's a great show idea. How about this? Okay. This, I, this would be a great show. Go to five cities that have the most homeless people. You take five of the five homeless people that aren't crazy or nobody killed anybody. Nobody's got a felony. They're just homeless. And you give them money and you put them up and you give them a car and you give them a job and you put them up and you see who does the most and the best or there's some shit like that. Something like that. Okay. Now I had that idea years and years ago and you know, whatever, but that's a great idea. I think. You just take a bunch of people, you give them like 10 grand, you give them a job, you give them, and you just watch them for six months and you see what happens and whoever falls out and does the best and then ultimately the winner gets like a new life, like a big job or something like that. I'm just saying, I'm, this is just hypothetical. But like that's something that like I thought of like years ago, like oh, in one day and then, you know, never really talked about it again. What did these people do for fat guys in the woods? Were they just sitting there like, oh my God, dude. No, 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 I got it, I got it. What if, think about how crazy this sounds. Someone goes, oh my God, dude, I got it. I got it. Here's what we're going to do, okay? Just hear me out here, too. Just hear me out. What if we took three fat guys, right? (laughs) What if we took three fat dudes and we put them in the woods and we name it, hold up, hold up. I got the name, too. I got the name. Fat guys in the woods. Right, and we just have the fat guys walking around the woods with a um, with the camera. If you said that to somebody with a straight face, they would look at you and go, "This is the reason why people have agents. This is the reason why fucking civilians have awful ideas and don't do it. And this is the reason why there's professional writers, you know, screenwriters, uh, showrunners, all this stuff. Okay, this actually got made." unacceptable fat guys in the woods. It's unacceptable. I don't care. Oh no, I actually watched an episode. It's good. It's unacceptable. It's ridiculous. And it's the start of television. I mean, no wonder why fucking Netflix is doing good. No wonder why all these online things are doing good. Do you understand? There's, I think there was a show called fat people dancing. I'm not even kidding. They're just taking these fucking monstrosities and throwing them on TV. Biggest loser. Fat fuck walks down the street. Fat guys in the woods. A fat naked prick. All this, it's ridiculous. Unacceptable. That's my unacceptable for the week. The fact that there's a show called Fat Guys in the Woods and some of the most talented people I fucking know have been pitching shows forever and they can't get anything on the air. Okay? And these three dopes, and I don't know them. Okay? And then maybe they're nice guys. Okay, maybe they are. I'm sorry if you know them, if you like them, if you listen to this, you know what, that's great. But come on, man. I shouldn't have writing sessions with friends. You you shouldn't sit down and go over bits with friends and throw jokes back and forth with friends. You just go to buffets with friends and and just fucking eat like animals and and then go pitch something. You know? Fat guys walking through airports and you just see like these fat wrecks with like jelly donut fucking residue on their chin going, son of a bitch, it's Terminal 3. Just holding their knees, not being able to breathe right. All right. That's my little, that's my unacceptable for the week. All right, let's get to your guys' unacceptables for the week. And listen, if you watch Fat Guys in the Woods and it's good, just don't tweet it to me. Because, I mean, after what I just said about it, I can't, I can't do anything. 
You know, you know what show I'd watch? This is what show I'd watch. Fat guys running on a track. That's what I would watch. I'd watch that. Because there's nothing better or entertaining than a fat guy who can barely breathe, who's running and then has to stop and leans over and throws up. I'll watch that. I got a cortisone shot in my back yesterday and I got to tell you, it was epic. Epic. Just felt it going in the back, down the arm. All right, here we go. The unacceptables from the fans. Are you guys ready? Here it is. All right, this is from Patrick Dwyer, Paul Verzi. I'm visiting New York City. The pizza at Yankee Stadium is Papa John's unacceptable. You are 100% right, Patrick. It is absolutely unacceptable. I love that one. This is New York City, okay? This is New York City. This is the best pizza in the world. It's true. Okay, here and Italy itself. Those are the two best places and... Yankee Stadium let a let a let Papa John's in there to be it. I mean, how great would it be if all the other ballparks were, oh my god, they have the best sausages, they have the best hot dogs. Oh, if Yankee Stadium, yeah, they have all that stuff, but have you had the pizza? It's some of the best pizza in the world and you could get it at a Yankee game. How great would that be and how much good instead they got Papa John's. They got some shit that Peyton Manning's selling. It's a joke. Okay, here we go. This is from Nick, and the Twitter feed is at Conroy Nicholas. Um, So Conroy, and then N-I-C-O-L-A-S, at Paul Verzi. Being able to see the fingerprints from the cook on crumbled cheese on top of salad, unacceptable. That's unacceptable, disgusting, and I would call a manager to see that. That's ridiculous. Uh, here we go. This is from my friend Dave Gavry. Dave Gavry of GonzoFame.com, the sponsor of the show. Guys, check out GonzoFame.com for your best, most in-depth interviews with comedians. You guys will love it. Uh, there's a lot of great ones, and there's going to be a lot more coming on there, so check it out. Dave Gavry says, Oh, this is a great one, Dave. I This shit drives me nuts, and it's happened to me multiple times recently. Restroom automatic sink didn't work after soap is in my hands. On top of that, they were also out of paper towels. That happened to me literally recently at a comedy club. I'm not going to mention it, and I just I couldn't believe it. It's like just ha- listen, just go old school. Have the f- have the dryer or the the or the but always have no matter what, no matter what you have like the fancy you know, little thing, just have the alternative next to it in case it works, because that stupid laser thing doesn't work, and you're waving your hand like you look like a psycho waving to a box, and you got soap all over it, unacceptable, great one, okay, Uh, and uh, Dave's Twitter feed, Dave's Twitter feed is at Dave G Money, okay, here we go, what's the next one here, um, I got a lot of, yeah, we'll talk about the Giants. We will. I got a lot of football things here that I am have to, but a lot of, you know. Um, anyway, this one I got to address. This is funny. This is from Steve uh, Aubin, or Aben or Steve Aubin, and it's at dat, I'm just going to spell it, D-A-T-P-I-E-Z-O tracker, tractor, T-R-A-C-T-O-R. At Paul Verzi, old man in car next to me, going to town on his face with a portable electric razor. No one needs to see that unacceptable. Gotta be honest here. But if he's really old and weird looking, I can understand it, but I gotta be honest. I do that. 
on my way to the city in shows. I have an electric razor. And I try to do it when nobody else is watching, but I definitely do it. So, uh, you know, I got to give them slack. But I, I, I had to shout it out because, you know, I could see somebody saying that. And, you know, but I, I liked it. I kind of liked that, that the guy did it because I do it. You know, sometimes you don't have time and, you know, the kids are jumping around. You're like, you know, what? I'm going to go do the shit in the car. All right. This is from. Oh, this one was sent to me. Uh, this one was sent with a picture. And this is uh, Kyle uh, Pedrag Mullins. I'm sorry if I'm saying this right. Um, but his Twitter feed is at um, Kyle Mullins 19. And he sent me a picture of a minivan. And the minivan is filled. The whole back of the minivan is filled with bumper stickers. And then he said, um, and there were more on the side, but I didn't get the pictures of those. Um, I've always thought that if you just load your car up with bumper stickers, it, you know that the car is about to die, it sucks, and you're just, it is unacceptable. If a car is going to last a long time and you do that to the car, it's either a piece of shit or you're a moron who has no, you know, just, just no idea of having value, just ruining something like that. You know, it's like bad enough that cars lose their value the minute they're out there on the street and you lose a shitload of money, and then now you're just going to fucking put stickers on it, it's a joke. Um, this is, uh, I'm sorry, Tom McAllister, you sent something with pictures and I see that it's a One Direction and a Disney thing next to it. I think it's a calendar or something, but I can't really see it too well. Um, advent calendar in September, uh, with a One Direction and some like, I'm sure it's the One Direction one is the one you're talking about, but it's a little blurry, but, uh. That's hilarious that it, I just, I can actually make out that it's one direction and blurry and then just reading the word unacceptable is funny. Um, this one is from Max Power and Max Power at Survived by Rats. Max has had a couple on the show before and he says, uh, Sunday night football is encouraging fans, grown men to tweet their Sunday night selfies. <laughs> uh lives need to end unacceptable yeah man it's uh yeah it's it, I, I you know what man i gotta be honest with you it's football just watch football your selfies it's just ridiculous um this one is from matt oh did i do i'm sorry did i do uh oh yeah i did survive by rats i did that okay this is from um matt lockyer and his uh twitter feed is matt d lock y-e-r um, at Paul Verzi, hashtag animals. Uh, MF with huge bags that smack the shit out of you in doorways, elevators, etc. And then he's got a picture of, oh my God. He's got a picture. He sent me a picture of this girl, woman, whatever. She's literally has a bag that starts at her elbow and goes down to the fucking, her, her, her oh my God, to like her shins. Just like, a, it's like she could hide behind this thing. That's ridiculous. Great, unacceptable. Love it. Um, keep them coming. Okay. Uh, this is from Maxu Kawanamena. And it's at Max uh, Ostrowski 1. O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I-1. Paul Verzi. When someone brings beers to a party and takes home the empties for returnables. Wow, that's a bad one. You know how I feel about anybody bringing something and then taking it back. Unacceptable. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Uh, 
Like, are you serious? Like, yeah, man, I brought a 12-pack, but listen, save the empties because I got to get five cents a piece. Ugh, awful. Um, That's just, that's terrible. Okay, this is from uh, High Tech. High Dash Tech, and the Twitter feed is at L-O-R-R-I-L. Oh, no, Lori London. L-O-R-R-I London. Wearing a jogging suit with cowboy boots is unacceptable. I don't care if you are from the Midwest. Wearing cowboy boots with anything is unacceptable. However, wearing cowboy boots with a jogging suit should be punishable by beating. Just awful. Um, I mean, I don't. I, I mean, that's just like you just see a dude like show up into a convenience store, like he's like, oh man, I'm spent. I need a slushy, and he's just got like just fucking. <laughs> he's just got old school cowboy boots, and he's rocking like a. Reebok sweatsuit over it. Um, all right, here we go. This is from Chris Frost at MN Frosty Boy. To the dude who spits a wad of gum in the urinal instead of the trash four feet away. <laughs> slow, cl- slow clap, unacceptable. Um, you would just think that people know gum like that. I just, I don't understand. Um, oh, this is a great one from Brandon and Tim. Brandon and Tim. Oh, this is great. Oh, we got comedians now jumping in on these unacceptables too. All right, we got a little special guest comedian jumping in on one, but here we go. Brandon and Tim say, at Paul Verzi, websites that make you watch an unskippable three-minute Olive Garden advertisement and then the video is unavailable. Unacceptable. That is a great one, and there's nothing worse than when all you want to do is look at something and you're just trying to X out and you can't. Ridiculous. Great one, Brandon and Tim. Uh, and that, that Twitter feed is at Brandon underscore McCorm, McCorm. They've gotten them on before too, but that's a great one. These are so great, man. These are great. just a great week of unacceptables. Joe Matarese, everybody. Comedian Joe Matarese. You know him. You love him. My buddy, Joe Matarese, I just saw a guy uh, who works at New York Sports Club shaving his head in the locker room during his work shift at Paul Verzi. Unacceptable. Nice. That is an unacceptable one. Guy's working and he's just like, hey, let me get a clean. It, it's like, dude, wait. Just wait till your shift is over. Uh, and that is bad for the customers to see that. Like if you're just like, you know, if a guy's shaving and he's at like a sports club, you should it should be somebody that works there. I mean, somebody that's like goes there, not somebody that works there. Um, okay, let's see here. All right, this one is from John Lampert. And John Lampert's at Pogo Joe. 2011, P-O-G-O Joe, uh, with the E, 2011, he says, uh, wow, he got Matarese in this one too, okay, so at Joe Matarese and Paul Verzi, I once saw a naked dude in a locker room blow drying himself because he didn't have a towel, unacceptable, I kind of like his creativeness though, John, to be honest with you, you know, guy's sitting there dripping wet, probably cold, you know, his dick probably looks like a fucking wet you know, elbow macaroni noodle, whatever, and he's like, ah, you know, I'm going for it. I mean, you can't really knock, you know, I don't think you could knock that that much, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is this? Okay, this is Ben Stombach at Hey My Ben. And he says, Pulver, he took my kids to the zoo. 
this woman whips out her tit in the middle of the kid's playground and starts breastfeeding. Unacceptable. Um, <laughs> he said, I wanted to take a picture for proof, but the wife <laughs> wouldn't let me. Hashtag animals. I love it, Ben. I love it. That's a great one. And I love how you were like fighting with your wife to take a picture. Um, okay, here we go. Justin Pittman said, you know what's funny? I thought that this show didn't have this many, and it does. But you know what? I'm just going with it. Let's just have fun. I know it's a late show. What are you going to do? You'll have a good day tomorrow. you have great stories, and, and we'll do it. You know, if you, if, what are you going to do? All right. We may go two hours tonight, huh? We're going two hours. Imagine we just went two hours. Okay, Justin Pittman at Justin T. Pittman. And Pittman is with two T's. At Paul Verzi, late for work because half of Boston was shut down for Pot Fest 2014. Smoke in your fucking basement. People have jobs. <laughs> Unacceptable. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm not the hugest pot smoker, but the fact that the whole town of Boston is doing it, I mean, they probably look at you like you're the buzzkill, but I get it. This guy wants to work. God bless you, Justin. Uh, let's see here. We go, uh, I don't like when, uh, you know, you, you have to scroll through and do it. Have it ready. No, I'm doing everybody's because I fucking love you guys. How about that? I don't want to hear. Yeah, I was listening to the show and I mean, it's a good show, but like, you didn't have to, you know, fucking looking around and fucking. Blah, blah. All right. Um, here we go. All right, this guy, that guy on Xbox at a random player, P-L-A-Y-A. Guy goes to every sneaker release and buys shoes with mom's money. Live with her. (laughs) Uh, Is 22, then calls others broke. Unacceptable. Yeah, his mom's enabling though, but yeah, I hear you. His mom is definitely enabling. Um... No, oh, this is another anti-weed one. This is from uh, Jose Mary Zafra. Jose Marie. Um, at Jose and then M-A-R-I and then capital Z-A-F-R-A. At Paul Verzi, unacceptable. I walk towards the bathroom at work. Coworker comes out and the room smells like weed. Come on, man, at work? <laughs> it's weed week. It's weed week here. Okay, um, this is from Danny uh, Clue at Uptown D-K-L-A-U. At Paul Verzi, the amount of times I've heard NFL announcers use the phrase point of emphasis through week three, unacceptable. Yeah, they always do that. Like, what you could find when you watch this or when you watch the uh, NFL desks and all that stuff this week, or any week, I should say, you'll always hear they'll say things like, at the end of the day, you need to do this, or like, they'll always say like, the point of, they always say shit like that, and it's like their way, it's like their only phrase, but it's their way of doing, like, it's their way of, you know, acting like they know what they're talking about. Um, Okay, guys, that's it for the, the shorter ones, and now I will go to... And now, imagine if I was just fucking dramatic, like just one of those corny shows where I was like, boom, boom, and it was like, and now it's time. Now, now I will do the uh, Facebook ones, the longer ones that were sent on Facebook, 
Don't worry, guys. We're getting this. All this is going to be ironed out. There's going to be one place to do all this stuff. Okay? It's just that the show's getting big so fast. <laughs> all right, here we go. Um, this is from... This is, Let me make sure this was... Okay, so this says this was on... Okay, so this is from Christopher Conroy. It says, Bathroom Etiquette. People who don't knock on the bathroom door stall before opening on the other... Uh, and people who don't give enough of a shit to respond, someone knocking on the door, both unacceptable. Um, I think it's a must that you knock. I've never heard of somebody not knocking. I think it's a must, but then not answering is weird too. I love both of these unacceptables. That's why I read them. But I do think if I had to pick, you know, the lesser of two evils would be somebody just nervous and sitting there. Not knocking and just going for it when somebody's on the bowl is rough. That's a rough one, for sure. Um, so that was from Christopher Conroy. And the last one of the week is from Christopher Hyde. And Christopher says, oh, he sent me this thing here. And it shows the tracking number of something that he sent. Okay, he sent something and he's showing me all of these wows. So apparently this thing didn't get to where it needed to go. But I will read the unacceptable right now. And uh, here we go. So, Christopher Hyde says, he says, uh, let's see. unacceptable. This is actually a two for one here. The first being the attached photo. I had a package shipped to me two day air through the post office. It took almost two goddamn weeks. Two fucking weeks. <laughs> the second part being not only the fucking automatic phone robot lady you actually expect to talk to, but any time I actually got through to somebody, they all pretty much said, I don't know. More or less, at this point, anybody who's on mental disability or has their skull, <laughs> who's had their skull crushed by anything could get a job at UPS and be 100% successful. Ridiculous, unacceptable, and he did show me and I'll read this, what it says here, because this is ridiculous. This thing went to, on the 16th, it got shipped out, and then it went to the air. So yeah, on the 16th it flew, then it was in Memphis on the 16th, Memphis on the 16th, Salt Lake City on the 18th, Salt Lake City on the 19th, somewhere else in Utah, what is it, Le Lehigh, Utah, on the 22nd, again on the 22nd, then on the 23rd, Salt Lake City, and on the 23rd, Salt Lake City. Absolutely enraging, 100% unacceptable, and the fact that you can't talk to somebody just makes you want to take your phone and throw it through a fucking, I mean, there's nothing worse. Uh, great unacceptable. Thank you, everybody. That is the unacceptables for the week. This is episode 178 with me, your host, Paul Verzi. And uh, I hope you guys are enjoying it. This has been a long show, and uh, it's not over yet, guys. It is not over yet. We got sports to talk about. How about the New York Giants? How about them Giants? It doesn't sound good if, like, a fucking guy from Texas. How about them Giants? It was like, <laughs> like if, 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 like, that guy was the Giants coach, and the Giants went on, like, you know, some let's just say some dude from fucking Dallas or some dude from, like, Louisiana. Let's say some dude from Louisiana, I should say, was a Giants coach. 
and the Giants like won the Super Bowl or like won the NFC Championship, and he was just like, "Come on, man, how about them Giants?" Like everyone like would just be like, "Yeah, no, dude, how about you? Don't say that." Um, the New York Giants offense looked amazing. It took six weeks for Eli to get this thing down. It seems like because of the you know the preseason and everything. But and listen. They weren't playing the best team. They were playing the Texans, but I can't write them off just yet. They were six and they were zero and six last year. Right now they're one and two. Tomorrow night they play the Redskins in DC. If they win that game, they're right back in everything, and and we'll see what happens. I'm not saying they're going to be great, but you know what? The Giants showed me a little bit. You know that's the thing about the Giants. I've always said this: the Giants, you can't you can't count the Giants out. You can't count the Giants out or the Giants in. At any time, you can't bet on the Giants. You can't do anything because they're just—it's just one of these teams where you just never know. I've always said they could be great, and you think they're going to win, and they don't make the playoffs because they lose seven in a row. They could just—it's just—it's one of those teams where with the Giants you never know. With the Patriots, you know, right? With the Patriots, you know they're going to win anywhere from twelve to thirteen games, go to the playoffs, go to the AFC Championship, and either go to the Super Bowl and lose to the Giants. Oh shit! No, or you know, that's what it's going to be. You know, you know, Peyton Manning's going to go to a playoff and probably lose in an early round. You know that the Jets stink. These are things you know. Okay, you know it. Um, with the Giants, you don't. They are what we call an enigma, everybody. Uh, what else do we have here? Derek Jeter's last homestand is right now. It's a big deal here in New York. And guys, I have to be honest, I don't care. I don't. I know it's awful. I watched one game this year. I saw Jeter. It was great. I got to tell you, I, I think I'm fully out of baseball. I'm out of baseball. I have not watched one full game of baseball this year or last year. I, it's over. It's just boring as all hell. It's just, it's, I mean, I heard it gets better when you get older. So I'm hoping like if I'm like older, like 55 and I just sit down and watch and there's nothing, that'll be great. You're just older. You got nothing else going on. I just, I can't sit down and watch it anymore. I just can't. I don't know what it is. I'm excited though. Next month, basketball's coming back. I'm excited about that. I really want to watch that, see what happens. But baseball is, um, yeah. I feel like I got to buy flowers and just put it on, put it on baseball's, you know, casket. Or, or it's just, I'm just done with it. I just, it's awful, and I know. And don't get me wrong, I love the Jeter thing. I love that Jeter was as good as he was for us. I love that he's getting the respect everywhere that he should and deserves to get. I do, but I just don't know if. Um, you know, I just don't know if I, I'm a, I just, like, I don't care. I just don't care. Like, like, it's like if bowling was on and then baseball was on, I would definitely pick baseball, but it's not that different. No, I shouldn't. You no, know, actually, at least with bowling, you get to see the thing roll and there's a result real quick. With baseball, it's just forever. I mean, I'll watch, like, if a good team gets in the World Series, I'll watch, but it's like fucking watching grass grow, literally. And boxing sucks so much that there's not going to be another fight. I can't tell you how great of a time I had. You know, yeah, I, I get it. Granted, Floyd Mayweather figures you out. You know, he uh, 
He decodes you. He figures out. He cracks your code, and then he just finds a way to make you not hit him and win. I get it. I get it that it could be a boring thing. But at least you have friends over. You watch, and you're rooting for a guy to land a shot on him and win, or you're rooting for him to stay undefeated, and it's something to do. Problem with boxing is it takes a fucking—you have that twice a year. So there's nothing good there. So come on October. October will give us— You'll, you know, for you baseball fans, it'll give you that. Hockey's going to come back. I'm going to get into hockey a little bit because I'm going to start an ice skate, man. I got my hockey skates. I'm going to start ice skating. That's a good workout. I'm telling you, man, do that. Just throw some tunes on your ears and go and get some hockey skates. You know, make sure you, you're good enough to not kill yourself and do that. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that. And um, I went, I left, I left the club tonight and I walked up to the movie theater. And I looked, and there were two movies I could have saw tonight. I could have saw a 10 o'clock movie of that new Liam Neeson movie, Finding Somebody's Wife. They should just call that. Like, Liam Neeson, like Liam Neeson should just name that movie Getting, Your Ch- Getting a Chick Back, or She Won't Die, or, like, Not On My Watch. Like, it's just, it's just the same fucking thing. But I was going to either see that, and see, even knowing what I just said and knowing what it's going to be, I still watch it. That's how good it is with Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson's voice and him just getting gangster on somebody, I could watch that. That shit he did in Taken, I could watch that. Um, or I was going to see The Drop. And I just said, you know what? Go do your podcast. Get the podcast out. You'll see a movie next week. So I will definitely have a movie for you guys next week. Okay, do a little review. Now let's do some plugs. And uh, what what plugs could we do here? Um, This weekend, everybody. Tomorrow. No, I'm sorry. Friday the 26th and Saturday the 27th. I... Your host of the Verzi Effect Podcast is episode 178. Sponsored by GonzoFame.com. Your host, me... Paul Verzi will be headlining the Comedy Connection in Rhode Island this Friday the 26th, Saturday the 27th. Come out. It's going to be a blast. I heard great things about the club. As a matter of fact, Matt Arise was there not too long ago. He said it was awesome. So come out and check it out. Um, I will be there. You know, come up, say what's up. I'm not going to have the Verzi Effect t-shirts. The Verzi Effect t-shirts will be out on October 1st. As I did mention on Facebook, if you guys saw it, the Verzi Effect podcast is now up to, we are really approaching 25,000 hits per episode right now. I don't even know what to say. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The show is going where I need it to go, where you need it to go. We're going to take this fucker over. Let's be honest, pound for pound. Come on, if somebody said for you, pound for pound podcast, okay? Pound for pound, if you had to pick five that's in your thing. So let's say you have ten. You know I'm in the five. Come on. I'll Floyd Mayweather this right now. Be a little cocky. Come on. Pound for pound, toe-to-toe, Verzi Effect podcast will go toe-to-toe. Come on. And you guys are coming out in numbers for the show, and I love it. You guys are starting to come to... You guys are coming to comedy clubs, man. And that means the most. So come up to me and say what's up to me. If you're a Verzi Effect listener, man, come up and talk to me. I appreciate it. You know it's all about you guys. I love you guys, man. Thank you so much. Um, You know, the following week, I'm going to be running my half hour in Cleveland. 
from Wednesday to Sunday. I'm going to be doing a half hour from Wednesday or Sunday because I'm going to be submitting that half hour for television. So come out to that if you're going to be in Cleveland. That's October 1st through the 5th. But this week, I will be headlining the Comedy Connection in Rhode Island, Friday, September 26th, Saturday, September 27th. That's where I'll be, everybody. Um, Thank you for listening. This has been episode 178. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a great time with it. Uh, and I know that I had a great time with it because the thing ran probably, at, I don't even know how, how this went long. So um, check me out on Facebook. Get me on Twitter at Paul Verzi. That's V-I-R-Z-I. Keep the comments coming on iTunes. Thank you so much. This is just the beginning. The show will be a part of All Things Comedy Network next uh, show, and we will go from there. Thank you all, and I'll talk to you soon.